Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1497 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And I want to tell you at the top of the podcast, this is part two of two with my friend Mark Schindler. Part one should be available in your podcast feed right now, talking about the Hawks and the NBA draft and what the Hawks should be doing in the NBA draft, more importantly. And uh, again, part two right now coming to you. We've covered a lot of ground on this podcast, some of the prospects involved with the Hawks considerations in the next couple of days, as well as some big picture stuff along the way. Mark is fantastic. And again, Part one available right now, part two on the way right now. After the intro, I'll be back with myself and Mark talking about the NBA draft. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. The guy that, this is kind of a spoiler, I guess, but the guy I took, we did this locked on NBA mock draft like a month ago and it just came out, which is kind of funny. Um, so a lot of th- a lot of things have changed since then. But I, I took Derek Lively for the Hawks at 15. And I will I, I admit it, I, I admit it on that show that it's kind of contingent on, on Clint not being here. Like if, if you have Clint on Yaka, you probably you probably can't take him. I don't I don't think that you absolutely can't, but you probably I probably wouldn't. But if you assume for a second that they're gonna move Clint or think about moving Clint at some point. I think Lively's pretty interesting for me anyway. Pairing with the Kongwu, also playing behind him, seven-footer, defense, all that stuff. Number one, do you like Derek Lively? And is that a reasonable pick for the Hawks, given where they are? Yeah, um, I think kind of like you said, if they move Clint, then I would get it um, to a degree. I think, to me, I still would rather see them get more. Um, like, even when you talk about this 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 group having – like the young guys having versatility in the front court. To me, it's much more about at the 4-5 than at the 3-4. Because, yeah. like, DeAndre still, for me, I think he can just be such a negative at the 3 offensively, <laughs> um, just given what his passing is slash isn't. Um, yep. And so, for me, I think, like, I really want to see them get somebody who can kind of play 2 through 4 because AJ is the closest they have to that, and I still would say he's kind of just an outright 3 right now. Um yeah, mostly for sure. So, but like in in general, like I think it, it, part of what makes it tough too, like it all just depends what happens in free agency and in the offseason too. Because like, okay, well, what if they end up getting in a guy who can kind of play as like a seventh or eighth man? Maybe they move on from Bogey and they move on from Clint, and you know, so you're talking about a different roster that already has a little bit more versatility. I really like Lively. Like, I think. Um, I'm probably not as high as someone gotten on him, on him. Like I'm very much in like back in the lottery. So like this me to too. me is not a That's bad spot. Like I think that the actual rim protection ability on top of his ability to to not just play deep drop. Like Duke was comfortable putting up close to the level of the screen, and he's just so big and mobile enough, and started playing in the right places after really being like his improvement throughout the course of the year was really awesome to watch because he went really from. Was. I was like, this guy probably needs to come back for a second year to I would take him in the first round again. And like that just that was really impressive to watch because that's that's a big growth. Um, I think my only issue is like he is so, so limited offensively. Um, yeah. Part of that, I think, is like just his body. Like he's probably 220 right now at 7172. Um He's probably he probably weighs a little bit more than that, but he looks like he's like, and he plays simple. like it, too. Like he can. Yeah. He can't post somebody up. Like he doesn't have that kind of fluidity and footwork right now. If anybody gets into a center of gravity, which is very high, he's going to miss. Um, he can't really put the ball on the on the floor right now. So when you're talking about him, like it's very strictly 
I will sit in the dunker spot and grab a lob or I will roll to the basket. And he's he showed some okay stuff as a passer. Like I think that there's room for him to keep growing in that, but that's more so to say like I think we're a ways away from him becoming like an okay offensive player because, you know, again, generally I think there's this idea like, Oh, well, if, if this guy can, you know, he's got the short roll reps, you've seen some of it and he can dunk. Like that's not enough. Like (laughs) you have to be so good at doing those things. Like even like, this is not to take shots at Bam, but like even with Bam in the, in the, in the playoffs, like there were times where if he's not on 10 with his aggression attacking in the pocket, he could be a little, he could gum up the offense. Like that, that just happened at times. Like um, same thing with Draymond. Like there were points with, and again, like it's different because live is seven foot two. He's not the same level of passer, but that's the point. Like even these guys who are at the apex of being so good at spacing without necessarily being a shooter, you have to be so good at taking advantage of that, that the defense has to respect you. And again, like he's just really far away from being that. Or, or close to getting getting to a level, I should say, where he can make it matter. Um, but when you're talking about adding versatility and like, okay, well, if you, you're starting a Onyeka and, and John Collins front court, or Onyeka and, and Jalen, who you know, whatever it ends up being, and you are like, okay, well, we have this change up punch off the bench, and that could get really interesting in a couple of years. But I think it's more so like, especially for this team being more in a not win now, but like need to be competitive now. I do think it, it's uh. It's an imperfect thing, but I could I could kind of see it. Yeah, with, again, I don't want to really get the whole mock draft. It was a long time ago, and the board kind of broke weird. So I was like, okay, I have lively like a half tier above these guys. I'm just going to take him, and yeah. I'll give the caveats and all that stuff. And I don't think that they have to by any means. Like I, I have him rated a little bit above 15, but it's not like it's all slammed up because of what you just said. He is limited offensively. I do think that like having him with Trey would be good for him. Yeah, in general. yeah, I um, should have said, like, in general, like, not to target, not to no. off, but, like, I think part of what helps, like, the idea why I'd be open to Atlanta is if those things happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, Trey is the kind of guy that you can play with. And this, in in theory, because especially, I mean, Quinn has been awesome at obviously, you know, helping develop Rudy Gobert. And, yep. and what that became, um, like, I think that that is, like, one of the environments where he could hit some of his higher outcomes earlier because he's uh, – not going to be like I think just in general with how much Trey's going to have the ball in his hands and how they theoretically are going to run things. Like I think you can do more with that. But also, like when we're talking about the playoffs, which I think is very much where this team want obviously wants to get. Um, also, man, it's so wild to think about the 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 Hawks beat the the Heat. That's I and by the way, can, the other day. <laughs> convincingly beat them. Oh, by a lot in, yeah. in Miami. <laughs> Like, um, I just thought about that. That's, yeah, it yeah, was a, it was a wild, it was a wild night. And as you might imagine, I got a lot of questions about that throughout the playoffs. Like what happened with, oh, I'm like, God. look, the Hawks just played really well that night. They, and the funny thing is Mark, not to go on the tangent, the Hawks like out physical them that night too. Yeah. They bludgeoned them. And it was like, that's not what Miami is supposed to, it's not supposed to happen in Miami. I don't know. Anyway, it's a long time ago, yeah. but it happened. No, it's wild. No, exactly. It's just wild to think about. But, um, <laughs> but like, I mean, that's the exact point. Cause I think like, okay, well in, I do, I think that Lively's going to be, like, I mean, just we saw that the issues with what could happen in the playoffs with oh, yeah. with Quinn's system, with with Rudy. And so, like, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, I'm skipping steps. So there, it takes time to get there. But right. it, it's like the kind of thought process that I have when thinking about him going there potentially. And that makes perfect sense. It's a first-round pick. It's not crazy high, but uh, there, are, there are variables there. I, but I, I will say it's ahead. high enough that it matters. Like these oh, are the yeah. picks. Like oh, not not saying you meant otherwise, but I think like these are the picks that you look at when 
we're talking about like the Washington Wizards and being like, well, how the hell did we get here? Well, we took Jerome Robinson at, at 13 oh, Lord and we, we swung and missed on this and we swung and missed on that. And like, yeah, that stuff adds up. Like, I think that the, the Hawks very much need to hit on this one. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is fantastic, bringing fit, comfort, and versatility to the table with their products. I feel great and comfortable in my own skin when I wear Bird Dogs gear and Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you that sculpted look that you're looking for. They fit much better than regular shorts. They're made of, they happen to be made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs also fixes that issue by inventing their cloud knit fabric. It looks just like khaki, but also stretches, giving you that slimmer fit without having to sacrifice any kind of movement. They also have anti-sweat, Wicking fabric to keep you cool and dry all day long. In the end, Bird Dogs makes awesome products, and you're going to have to want to check out all of what they have going on at birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. When you get there, use the promo code LockedOnNBA as well. When you do this, use that code, you get a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every single order with Bird Dogs. One more time, the place to go is birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. I agree, and... To the previous regime's credit, they they basically didn't miss on a lot of first round picks. Like you could debate on all of them, but they they had a lot of good values from Herder to Collins mm-hmm. to you know AJ and Jalen the last couple of years. Obviously, Amari Spellman didn't go very well, and you could debate how they did. And that Hunter Reddish class didn't go particularly how they wanted it to. But it's it's been a overall pretty positive record for this for this team. But it's obviously a new a new front office now. I, I want to bring up a guy who is uh, I've described as boring in a good way, and that's Chris Murray. Uh, going back to your point about guys who are more like in that two through four range, um, he's more of a three, four at this point, but um, you know, I I've been accused of liking boring players, Mark. I like, uh, I like boring players, generally speaking, boring role players. I like Chris Murray. I'm not saying it'd be sexy at all. It wouldn't be, I'm sure some fans would probably hate it, but I'd be fine with it at this pick. Is that too early for you? And what do you think of uh, when I, when I ask you about Chris Murray? Uh, I think it's tough because, you know, it would really depend who goes here, but like, if we're being blunt, like if I am, if I am the Hawks, and let's say like around 15 is where they're at, like okay, it's like Bryce Sensabaugh and Leonard Miller and Kobe Buffkin and and like yep. maybe maybe Keontae George are left at 15. And I granted, I'm I like Keontae a lot, but I think just by all the things we've talked about, I don't think he makes a lot of sense for Atlanta. I agree. Um, <laughs> on, on both but sides. I. Uh, I think I would take Chris Murray. Um, I really like Chris because, like, I I love Leonard Miller. He's one of the guys who I think is all, I've just been high on throughout the year. But again, I think he's somebody who much more like, in theory, becomes a combo forward. Is more of like, I don't like saying project, but like, I think he's a lottery guy. But I think for me, Chris is like the perfect pick. Actually, I'll, I'll go as far as saying if like we don't have any crazy fall, like if Grady doesn't fall to fifteen, if Anthony Black doesn't fall to fifteen or something. I think for me, like Chris is the guy I would consider very heavily taking there, or Jet Howard. I don't know if we're going to talk about Jet. He but, was on the list too. Um, I, I talked about him a little bit. Was was Zach Miller? Uh, was that yesterday? Yeah, yesterday uh, with, with regard to Jet. But no, I I didn't know you were going to say. I, I've listened to you with Sam, and I know kind of what you think and tagged the role and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I knew you kind of liked Chris Murray, but I am not surprised that you said that. But I think fans might be surprised because again, I think when I thrown out that I like Chris Murray, the response is usually like, eh, he's kind of, he's okay. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I get why you would think that, but the versatility angle that you brought up before, um, not that he's a super high skill. Cause look, I don't think Chris Murray is going to be a 10 time all-star. That's, that's probably not going to happen. It's, there are guys with higher upside, but you know, 
for what they need and for what he can do. And he's a little bit older. I get that. But yeah, I, he's, he's pretty high for me on the same way that you just said, if, if no one unexpectedly falls, he would be in my top two or three for this pick under that scenario. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I feel, uh, I feel warmly embraced by you on that comment, Mark. No, uh, <laughs> but what's the sales pitch? I mean, you, you saw that nice stuff about, and I agree, but what's the sales pitch for Chris Murray? Like what, what, what is he good at? What is he not good at in your mind? And like, where, what are you looking for when you draft him? Yeah, I think a lot of people are like part of what's tough in this year. I feel like a lot of people have looked at Chris and they're, they've been like, oh, well, you know, he's he's just like a worse version of <laughs> Keegan. And I'm like, he's he, they they have some things that are similar, but I think they're very different players. And like for me, I actually think, oh, I think Chris is so Chris is more of like the when you talk about guys who are combo forwards, it's funny because like when we looked at and not just to do it off the brothers thing, but I think like we saw it. I'm biased a little bit because I, I you know i wasn't doing draft coverage then but like when you look at the morris brothers like okay marcus morris was much more of the three four mm-hmm. mark Heath was you know obviously he came in as more of a straight up four but you know evolved by the time with washington the more of a four five um and i think when you look at it like that and how both of them are i think keegan is more of the the power forward leading brother and chris is much more of the small forward leading brother hmm. that's how i tended to conceptualize it over the last year um because Chris is just so much better at driving. Like he's way better as a straight line driver. He has a little bit more shake to his handle. I think he's a little bit better at, um, you know, just staying on balance and how he gets to the rim because for Keegan, like he was able to get there at times, but a lot of the time I thought like you could see, and, and to be fair, he was a lot better at this in Sacramento. Part of that's their offense. Part of that was his own development, but Chris just had that more for me. And that popped a lot more this year in watching Iowa. I think, to the other point, Keegan's a lot better of a shooter than, than Chris is. Like, I think Chris is better than, you know, shooting 33.5% this year. Part of that is difficulty in what this Iowa squad was. But, um, I mean, he comes in with some of the same ideas. Like, I think he's a, a, a serviceable defender who can grow into a better one as he continues to to feel his, himself out on that end of the floor. He's going to rebound the basketball. Um He's not a great passer. I think it's sort of in the same vein as Keegan. Like, I think it's more, okay, this guy can finish plays for us in time. We hope that he can continue them. And I think, again, like with Keegan kind of figuring out how to not just play at one speed all the time, that's going to come with reps and time. And I think for me, Chris is a guy I would bank on for the Hawks because I do think he could come in and play minutes right away. And that's not the most important thing, but I think when you're talking about a guy actually getting the chance to continue to get better and, um, and bring something right away, Chris is very much someone who could do that. And I think, again, when we're talking about a, just having somebody who can attack a closeout and get to the basket for this <laughs> team matters because I, I don't mean to keep slandering DeAndre. Like he does important things. But I think when you're talking about, okay, how can we make that look better or or make it more capable for him to play at the four in some of these other lineups, I think Chris is a guy who could do that because um, yeah. I have more faith in Chris getting to the rim than, than DeAndre Hunter right now. Oh, so. for sure. And, and the versatility angle of it all and – uh, you know, defensively, I, I people are split on Chris Murray. Not that anyone thinks he's going to be bad, but you know, there there are degrees. Like I think he'll hold up fine, but is he going to be a plus defender? Like, do you, th- do you five years from now, is he going to be a guy that you are that you describe as a plus defender, or is he just going to be someone who's just like can hold up and is okay, but is more of like a neutral in your mind? Uh, I think he can get to to being pretty good, but I think it ends up more of like he has plusness through being. Uh, <laughs> through being able to to hold up in a couple of ways. Like, I think that's kind of how I would look at it. Like, I think that eventually 
the goal is that he can become pretty solid on switching. Um, mm-hmm. I think that generally his off ball defense is fine. Like he's not going to be um, a crazy, you know, rotations guy, but I think he can make the right plays. And I think there's just value in having somebody who is going to make the right plays, even if it's not like flashier um, or, you know, crazy rim protection or anything like that. Um, so I think to me, like, it's less about like being awesome at something and more like, he's capable of being pretty solid at a few things and that matters and just keeping him on the floor. So his offense can shine. Yeah. Um, so I think it like, I guess it probably grades out as like a C plus B minus defender for me eventually is where I would hope, but I, it's just going to kind of depend for me. Today's show is brought to you by game time. If you've been trying to buy tickets to a big event at the last minute, it can be stressful, but not the best idea for your wallet or your emotional state after all. Buy tickets should not be a hassle, and with Game Time, it really isn't. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater. You can avoid stress, start getting hyped for the fun that you're actually going to have at the event because Game Time has killer deals and the best price guarantee. Summer is here. There are all kinds of events around me in Atlanta. I'm sure there are around you as well. And with Game Time, it can be really easy to find awesome deals. Plus, you can also see the images of where your seat's going to be when you get to the event, and they have protection if your event happens to be canceled. Forget all the months of planning in advance. There are tickets right up to the day of the event at game time. The game time guarantee also means they go the best possible price. If you find tickets in the same row in the same section for less, you'll be credited 110% of the difference with game time. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can watch it, it's just a matter of seconds. And those tickets will be sent directly to your phone to make things very easy on you. Download the game time app right now. Create an account. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create that account with game time. Redeem the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. I'm going to throw you a curveball and we'll kind of change positions. But the, you mentioned one of these guys earlier as Keontae George. I have a – this is not a, a direct comparison, but there's three or four of these guys who are guards. Like they're not small, small, but they're they're not – you know, they're they're guards. And it's it's Keontae George. This is in no order. Keontae George, Nick Smith, uh, Kobe Bufkin, and uh, Jalen hood Shafino. I go back and forth on all of these guys on some level. I like some more than others in Atlanta and outside of Atlanta. Um, do any of them appeal to you if you are the Hawks at 15 overall? Because I, there's at least one that I would probably draft, but there are two that I probably wouldn't as the Hawks that I like other places, just not for the Hawks. And I wonder what you think of that, of that kind of pair. Again, they're, they're all different players, but they're all kind of in that combo guard area. Yeah. See, I would, I would take Keontae higher than this. I love Keontae. I think he's going to be really good. Um, Obviously, he had a he had kind of a weird season at Baylor, but I also think he was partially miscast, um, which made it tough. Like I don't know if you watched him IMG at all, but he like he's one of the, like I try. I mean, I'm still I think learning how to how to adapt um, how or how I want to take college and high school tape in stride. What what means more <laughs> to me? What means less? You know, what am I going to do with priors? And I think for me, like watching Keontae play defense at IMG had me just extremely ecstatic about who he could be um and just at at img in general and they it's like not like they're playing scrubs um and i think you saw all the flashes to a baylor i just think he would be a weird fit for this hawks team right now again like we're talking about like because i think he projects me as somebody who is a starter like i need him on a starting track i'm not really like i don't know like not that that should completely prevent a team from drafting but he's just not what the team needs right now agreed um and i think some people just say you know draft for for whatever but i think no like to me this team kind of does need to draft it right now they can't really mess around with it 
um, like fit and upside, obviously. But I think yeah, he'd be the highest I'd be on any of them for here. Maybe maybe I go Kobe Bufkin earlier, but I'm just not as high on Kobe Bufkin. And I know you are a Michigan fan, so you uh, that's okay. You you no, okay. I'm just saying you should know about this. Like I I think the defensive playmaking is cool. I don't think he's nearly as uh, disciplined defensively. Like he gets this rep as being like, oh, he's going to come in and be a really good defender. And I think like maybe in a couple of years, he could be. Yeah. Not, I think right it's away. a lot more like he shows that he has, he plays, uh, he shows his potential off defensively a lot. Like I think that there are the flashes of him really being able to do some great things defensively, but I think it's pretty rickety at times. That's, I mean, that was to be fair, a product of Michigan's defense as a whole. Um, but so I'm just like a little bit less high on that. I'm not as high on the shot. I think his decision making overall, when we're talking about a team that I think needs to improve and having guys who can make <laughs> better decisions, like he, I mean, very much in the same way of like watching Shade and Sharp this last year. Kobe loves to have a wide open three and and make it a pull up two, um, and like those are things that I think for the Hawks are they can't have like that's that's absolutely killer for what their offense wants to get to. And again, like I think it can get there in time, but it's just not perfect. I'm like, I don't know. I this is a tough group for me. I think Nick Smith is probably if I had to take one of them, it would probably be Nick Smith. Um, hmm. for them, I, I still think the a, a lot of the same questions, but I think just like the pure talent upside and what he's capable of doing as an off ball scorer and um, not necessarily needing to be a ball dominant guard, like obviously ball dominant, but in, in different ways, like coming off screens and um, not necessarily having to start things. Um, I think there's a lot of interest in that. Uh, it's, it's a very imperfect group though. Yeah, I, I mean, that, I, so I, I will say I'm not a big JHS guy just in general. Yeah. Um, I knew that. I knew that about you actually before, yeah. I, I, as I was asking, I, I had that popped in my head, but Nick Smith is an interesting one where like, he's a good example of what you were talking about his high school film versus his college film and what he was able to put on film in college, less impressive, but he was banged up all year. Yeah. So it's tough to him and Derek Whitehead are like the obvious guys who were like, they were not themselves this year. And it's like, okay, how do you take that? Derek has the active injury concern. Like he just had a surgery. I guess the reports are pretty good on that, on that, but um, so, yeah, I have trouble with Nick Smith. Like I'm not against taking him. He would be lower on my list, but uh, you know, if you trust the high school film and I mean, he, he was a top five RSCI guy. Like he's really, so was Derek. I guess they're both were. So it's, um, yeah, I, that whole group is very interesting and very challenging. I, I, I like Jalen Hutchifino more than you do, but I also don't like anything about the statistical profile from last year. Like he was so inefficient and, you know, I watched a lot of Mike Woodson in my life as a Hawks person. So I understand a little bit what was going on in Indiana, but it was part of that was him. Like part of that was Jalen. So, yeah, I think, well, part of me, part of what's tough for me is like, I, I, I mean, you'll probably know this because I said it on, on the pod that Zach and I did talk about JHS, but like, I think his pro comp for me was DeJounte in some ways. Like it's yeah, not the same player, it. but like, I think DeJounte was a better athlete than JHS. Um, but both of them have some of the same stuff. Like I think, a lot of people will be like, well, you know, JH has struggled to finish at the rim because, you know, he's playing alongside, you know, two bigs at sometimes. And granted, Indiana spacing was bad. Yeah. Not great. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the same point, like, he's always been a really bad rim finisher. Like, he's just pretty below the rim. Yes, I know he had dunks this last year, but just in watching, like, it is clear he's a pretty below the rim athlete. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think that he's a good accuracy passer, but I just think what the passes actually are are not as impactful as I think the snappiness of them can make them look. Like I think, and this again, it's not meant to slander DeJounte, but when you look at the season he had with the Spurs, it's just important to know, okay, what are those passes? How are they impacting a defense? Are they like plus, plus, plus passes? Like a lot of the passes Trey's making? Or are they like, okay, I'm getting a really good screen. I'm hitting the pocket pass. Jakob Pearl hits a, it's a hook shot. Like, and again, that's not to take, like it is a version of creation, but it is not the same. And I think it's just important to note, like for me, at least I'm just not at all optimistic about his shot. Like, I think that, you know, maybe I'm, I'm being too biased with priors, but I think just seeing what his overall touch has been throughout his career, because I think it's really easy to get in your head and look at like, oh, well, he hit that floater, shot like 35% on floaters this past year, if I remember correctly. It was around there. It was sub 40s. Um, and it was the same issue, but worse at um, at Montverde. So for me, yeah. I just um, like I think that that stuff can improve. Like, I think you continue to improve. Um your ability to finish, but I think my issue with him is just much more touch than, than, than some, than footwork necessarily. And, um, some of those things, but at the same point, like he can do some stuff that I really like. And I think defensively, he's probably got the best immediate projection out of everyone in that yeah. group. So it's, a weird it's group for sure. It is a very weird, <laughs> group. I think it's the best way to put it. And yeah. And look, I mean, you talked about it to bring it full circle, there are a few guys in that, you know, in that wing forward mold, but there there are more guards and there are more guys that are not that are probably going to be in this range. I mean, we even talked about Casey Wallace and I talked to him about him with with your co-host Zach yesterday. Um, that's a guy who could fall to the Hawks conceivably. He's uh, a similar uh, archetype, different player than a lot of those guys. But um, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting group. Is there anybody we, that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about as a particularly good Hawks fit at 15? Because like, I, I mean, Bilal like is not going to be there, I don't think. At this point, the helium seems to be out of control. Like he's going to be going in the top 10, it feels like at this point. Um, who else did I not ask you about? That's kind of, I mean, I guess Derek and Jet, um, but that's kind of it. Everybody else that I that I had listed, we talked about. Anybody else that you think uh, is more off the I guess Max Lewis, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a big Max Lewis fan. I know. Um, I think Max would be, <laughs> yeah. I think Max would be really tough for me with the Hawks. Um, I think he's really interesting in some places, but I think for this Hawks team, I'm probably not there. Also, just to correct myself, Jalen shot uh, he shot forty three percent on floaters this year. But I still, maybe, maybe again, maybe I'm being too unfair. But it was rather low volume. Like he took thirty two. It's not like it was. That's your million, that's your Indiana. That's your Indiana bias showing, Mark. It, it might be. I just I I just I just struggle <laughs> with. No, look, because like if it's, you look there's at, other, like Jared Jarris Walker is a, is a great example. Because a lot and Zach has been you know all over this because a lot of people will be like, oh look at Jarris, his touches so he was. He shot below forty percent on floaters this year, but like it does look good when it goes in. But it's it just I, it, it's just I don't know. That's just my general feel is that I don't like his floater touch, even though he shot okay on them this year. I'm again watching two years of Montverde. <laughs> it was not. It was not pretty. And, and that I, and that stuff that, that's where it comes in handy. Look, I I always admit I don't watch as much high school as I would like to, just out of time and all that. But when I started watching high school, in addition to college, especially in the one in, like. It helps. It just helps. It, there's no way you can convince me otherwise. If you put someone that only watches a college film versus someone who watches high school and college film in the same player, 
you're going to have a better perspective watching college, especially, I'm sorry, watching high school too, because especially if it's a one and done, like the sample size is bigger. You just saw what they can do, uh, multiple systems, all that stuff. So it is very helpful to yeah. keep that side. I think part of what's going to be interesting too, and like, because I mean, like I, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not here to say I'm right. This is just what I think. And I, I could end up being wrong. Part of what's of course interesting about <laughs> this next year is that, uh, like, or seeing how this draft plays out in the next year and, and changes, like, I think this is going to be really big in formulating, like, what do I, I focus on as a scout and what, what does stick out to me and what matters most. And maybe I'll end up feeling like less important about, uh, like, like prior is going to be less important, but it's, uh, we'll yeah, see. It's, it's an inexact <laughs> science for sure. It is. Uh, before I get you out of here, and I will, I promise, uh, any any second-round sleepers, the Hawks pick at 46. They obviously could move around from there, so I'm not going to have to tie you. But do you have a guy who like is your guy in second round? I know it was Jordan, Jordan Miller. Miller. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you beat me to it. I, uh, I love Jordan Miller. I still think it's <laughs> ridiculous that he's not getting uh, slotted higher. Um, but, no, I think he's really good. Um, obviously, like I think the shot is still a question, but I just am not bought into what I, you know everything else that he brings um what i mean who else i think like when we're talking about guys who can maybe do multiple things play multiple positions like mm, i think the idea of bringing in somebody like if colt let's say colby jones fell into the second oh, round I, so. I, speaking of guys i absolutely love it's it's breaking my heart to not be able to talk about him on the podcast a lot because he's like in that range where he can't go 15, I don't think, and he's not going to fall to 46. So it's yeah, like, I just realized about, how low you guys are now, so that's probably not going to happen. But I love, um, I love him. Like he's, he's like my kind of guy all the way across. It's just that he's kind of in the in the nether region where the Hawks just have no chance of him unless they trade back or trade up or whatever. But you know, yeah, I love him too. Um, I think if like if the team feels really confident in developing him out, I actually think Ricky Council could be. A really fun pick for you guys. Arkansas, um, by the way, for, for, for folks at home yeah. who don't, don't know who that is. Ricky, Ricky Council is like one, like, because going from, from JHS, like, I actually, man, like, Ricky's ability, like, he had, he was probably the, the best finisher that wasn't a, a front court player in college basketball last year. Like, just some unreal stuff around the rim. And it wasn't like it was flashy, but also like efficient. Um, the shot obviously was kind of all over the place. He was better off the dribble than off the catch, if I remember correctly. He shows some – like, he's inconsistent defensively, but I think there's stuff there in a smaller role for him. I think he could be a devastating slasher at the next level. And to me, like, that is the kind of player I would love to see them bank on and be like, hey, this guy's going to be an incredible athlete, somebody who we think has a solid feel for the game, can make some secondary plays, um, and is going to attack the hell out of the basketball when he ca- – I mean, the hell out of the rim when he catches the basketball, like, I'm very in on that because I think just having guys who are going to make decisions and do it quickly. And like, he's again, somebody who I think can slot in at a couple of positions and continue to grow. Like he's a guy I'd love to see them take a swing on at 46. Um, Makes sense. Honestly though, like he's sneakily, I think he's somebody who could end up going like late first. Not that I have any intel on that, but no, I mean, like he just feels very much like a guy that I think could wind up doing that. There's Um, all, and you know this, there's always one or two, Picks from like twenty seven to thirty, oh, yeah. they're like, whoa, okay, interesting. I mean, um, dude, like <laughs> Chris Livingston apparently has a promise, so anything could happen in this. Draft. Uh, and while, while in the safe space that I know we're being recorded on this podcast, uh, your friend and mine, Sam Messini, who you often podcast with, mocked Chris Livingston to the Hawks today at forty six, and my eyebrows went about over my head. I haven't talked Ooh. to Sam. I have no intel yeah. on that. I'm just saying, I between the promise thing and Sam mocking him there, I was like, Sam. 
What do you know? He's 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 tough. I thought he was gonna have a better season at Kentucky. Like I actually like genuinely like as a college person, I thought he's talented, as, a, as a high school person, I thought he was gonna like he actually got better his senior year in high school. I thought he was a lot better his senior year at Oak Hill. Um it just nothing went right for him. It did not go well at Kentucky. Kentucky. But that's a, um, and listen, maybe it's uh it's 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 a talent bet and at four, you know, forty six is like the beginning of the wild, wild west in the second round, where like everything goes nuts after that every year. So what do you know? I mean, I have no idea. The Hawks last year moved down in the second round and still still made a pick with Tyrese, but they moved down and they didn't stick. So staying put in second round is you can't assume it. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, well, Mark, thank you for all the time you give me, my friend. I appreciate it. In the middle of this very of busy season, I'm sure you have W games to watch or something or something to do right now. You have you're always busy as am I. But uh, where can folks find your work across the board because uh, you have so many uh, other places to find? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at mg underscore Schindler. That's where I plug everything and keep it keep it active. Um, obviously, I work over at Dime with you. I kind of work a little bit everywhere, as as you mentioned. So indeed, um, yeah, Twitter is the best place to find me. I would recommend doing that. I, I just confirm. I thought the Dream played the Sun tonight, and they do. So that's yep. a game. It's about now. It will be interesting stuff there. Uh, anyway, thanks for doing this, Mark. I do appreciate it. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. We have less than a week until the NBA draft as you're listening to this podcast. So uh, good time to hop on board, and we'll see everybody next time.